A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. And he's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising subject oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's The Gift, which in fact is all about the history of the Mafia. It's about friendship, and it's about being in people's debt. Ooh, for me it's all about Captain Cook, the history of exploration, and cross-cultural exchange. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter, you can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 13 of Histories of the Unexpected. We're cracking through them now. We've got a bit of a library. Unlucky for some, number 13, Sam. Where we will be audio googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell. Like the history of the smile, insects, or even the wish. Ooh. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how simply everything has a history and crucially how those histories link in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of the dream is all about childhood imagination via, of course, a slight detour to 19th century Vienna and Mr Freud. Where, mm. where would we be without that? Or that the history of the pen is all about statecraft, the power of language, and, of course, scrawling in the margins of books where some of the most interesting yeah. annals of history are kept. The history of annotations. Um, and I've got a new one, the history of the seed. It's all to do with population and propagation. Ooh, very good. The man sitting opposite me takes his pleasure in the past. It's Professor James Daybell. And the man sitting opposite me is the fount of knowledge of former times. No. It is <laughs> Dr. Wow. Sam Willis. Sorry, together, that, was, that was awful. <laughs> together we will be piloting you on this uncharted, very dangerous and unpredictable journey into the past. Each week one of us is going to take the lead. And this week it's James's turn. What have you got for me? Okay, I have for you this week... The gift. Ah, the gift. Hmm. What do you think of 
when I mention the history of the gift. I immediately think of people bearing tribute, carrying tribute. Mm. So political gifts, political exchange, maybe people bringing something from the country which they represent to demonstrate that their skills in technology, their natural resources, something like that. I would say that those kind of gifts come with a burden of expectation attached to them. So, um, yeah, no, no gift is a free gift, is where I'm going with that. You, you, Beware Greeks bearing gifts. Beware Greeks bearing gifts. And, be, and also be aware that whatever, whatever, you, whatever you offer, there's going to be something else to back at some point. So this is the, we, get, we get right to the nub of the gift. And the gift is all about, it's all about exchange. It's about reciprocity. I think the gift and knowing about the gift is actually the answer to society. Okay. It, the gift, that, that the gift, the gift is, it, it's all about society. It's all about the fabric of social relations. That's, that's your gift to and me. That's that, the that, gift that, of wisdom. That's my, my gift to you all wrapped up <laughs> in one. It's, it's the easy answer to, you know, history's problems. So, I mean, it is a huge historical field. There's been all sorts of work done on the gift. It's very theoretical. There's a big sort of anthropological literature on it, you know, all the way back to somebody like Marcel Mauss's book on the gift which is all about the structures, social structures of gift giving. And you absolutely nailed it. It's about the giving of a gift to somebody. If I give you a gift, what does that mean? What does it mean in terms of me giving it to you? What is the expectation on you? And if we think about the gift more broadly, we don't. it doesn't just have to be a, a slice of cake or a small piece of cheese that I give I, you. I would like that, though. Or a, bo- or a yeah. bottle of wine at like a dinner that. party. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will raid. I will raid the fridge for lunch. Okay. Um, but it, but it's about it's about the the duties and obligations incumbent upon you as the receiver. And that's probably signalled and symbolised by the type of gift you give me. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. If I give you a small piece of cheese, what does that signify? Uh, probably a sleepless night and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and bad dreams. So what I have for you here is well, take a look. What do you see? Oh, well, that's a scroll. It's a very, very long scroll. You can usually tell how big scrolls are by how much is, how much is coiled up at the top and at the bottom. So that's a, it's the, sort of the opening paragraph, the opening flu lines of a scroll. It looks like, I don't know, sort of 16th century writing, and it looks like a list of things. Okay. That's where I've got from This that. is a New Year's gift roll from 1577, Uh from the reign of Elizabeth I. Now, the giving of gifts at New Year was a really ceremonial, ritualised occasion. More than Christmas, and this is is official gifts. More than Christmas, official gifts. And what we see here is the gift roll on vellum. We're in a room that's sort of, I I suppose the ceiling is about nine feet, Mm. from floor to ceiling. If you stretch that out, or if we stretched it out on this long dining room table here, this it wouldn't actually fit on here. We're looking at something that's about yeah, nine, ten feet long and about, I don't know, 60 centimetres wide, something like that. On one side, it records all the gifts that have been given to the Queen, and it records them in great detail. It values them as well. It groups the kind of people who are giving the gifts together. Ah. So you've got all the bishops, That's the gentlemen, I was, I was assuming the assuming it would be the objects. But... No, 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 no. It, it, it's, it's all in terms of hierarchy. So these are gifts given, given to, to Elizabeth to personally Elizabeth, or to the court? Or... Given to Elizabeth personally, and oh. they are delivered by 
you know, particular people. And then on the back is the list of gifts that Elizabeth gives in return, because we're back to your idea of reciprocity. You know, but I mean, I'll just read you a couple of examples here. So these are, this is the 1577 New Year's gift roll given to Her Majesty at her honour at Hampton Court by the persons whose names do hereafter ensue the first day of January, the year aforesaid. And I'll, I'll just give you a couple of little examples here. By the Lady Mary Grey. Two pairs of sweet gloves with four dozen buttons of gold and in every one a seed pearl. And then it tells you who it's delivered by, one of the women of the Privy Chamber, Mrs Elizabeth Knowles. And then another one by the Lady Margaret, Countess of Derby, a petticoat of white satin raised and edged with a broad embroidery of diverse colours. By the Earl of Warwick, a gown with hanging sleeves of black velvet, all over with a small wire of gold-like scallop shells set with spangles, embroidered with a guard with sundry birds, so we've got something that's incredibly decorated. There's another example here of a jewel being a dolphin of mother of pearl, garnished with small sparks of rubies. Another one gives her a Bible covered with cloth of gold, garnished with silver and gilt. These are incredibly personalised gifts, and there's been some wonderful work done on these New Year's gift rolls to actually look at networks of political women mm -hmm. who've been colluding together to basically give Elizabeth an outfit, a set of clothes. So rather than just giving her, you know, gold or silver plate, these are people who are actually thinking about the kinds of gifts that they're, that they're giving to her. So, well, so the gifts work together. So the gifts <clears throat> work together. <clears throat> and, and this is a way in which we can use this sort of, you can actually use the history of embroidery. There's another podcast for us, the history of embroidery. How you can use the history of, of embroidery, one of the most sort of quintessential domestic female forms of production that, that, that you can think of. And you can breathe politics into it. Yeah. So you can use this to sort of look at the silent political networks that otherwise might be invisible to history. But ultimately, gift giving here is, it's public, it's ritualised, it's, it's political, and you're expecting something. In order to give gifts to the Queen and be recorded in this, you need to be in political favour. Mm -hmm. So you need to be known by the Queen and she needs to be, you know, she needs to be happy with you. these gifts which, which have been accepted there is, there is also oh, is it, that, is that's, the, that's, that's the other is there side. a record of rejection? You've got to, um, you've got to be at court to be able to give gifts. Okay. But yes, people reject gifts all the time. Um, are there gaps in that list for gifts which, but, which where people tried to give but weren't accepted? It wouldn't be recorded in this, and I can't off the top of my head think about the refusal of gifts by the Queen. But I can think of other examples where of of important political figures at this time who do not want to receive gifts. Or when they are given something, they want to pay for it because otherwise they feel themselves obligated. So if a diplomat is giving you a gift, that means that you can sometimes be in the pay of that diplomat. And there's some brilliant work that's been done on looking at, at different ways in which diplomats might secretly give you gifts, often by your giving it to your wife okay, rather, okay. Than, rather than yourself. Indirect gift giving. Indirect gift giving. And all of those things on that list, from what you've said, those are... Inanimate objects. Yeah. What about immediately, what struck me about this is the word gift, you immediately think of it as an object, but there are examples of people giving people as gifts, yes. human, human gifts. Yes, yes. Certainly uh, also links with slavery. And then, and then if, you, yeah. if you follow that through, you have emancipation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Yeah, so if you have yeah. a slave, you have the experience of gifting your slave freedom. Most famously, well, one of the most famous examples was Cicero, yeah. uh, who gave yeah. his secretary, Tyro, who rewrote all his diaries. He had, just before he died, he granted him his freedom. And then Tyro went on to live to be 99 and, and carried on writing. This idea, I think, of, of giving humans as gifts mm. is actually very interesting. Mm. I mean, there's a practice called putting out in um, the 16th and 17th centuries, and indeed it, it's earlier, which is where the aristocracy would send their children got to a certain age and they would send them to live with another family. That's almost like, like, it's nothing to do with slavery, but they would go to live with another family because that would then widen their political contact. And also it would, you know, the the sort of theory at the time about... You're gifting your own bloodline. you're, You're gifting your own bloodline and you're entrusting them to somebody else to bring them up in a manner that you are unable to do. So, you know, somebody else would be much harder, stricter on your child than necessarily you would yourselves. But again, it's about giving. But if we think about all the kinds of things that people give as gifts, that's a very interesting thing. The letter as a gift, or the way in which any social interaction can be figured as a gift. Mm -hmm. So if we think about communication, like, for example, nowadays you might send somebody a a text. The expectation, if you apply gift-giving theory to that, is that you would then then expect a text back. What does it mean when you don't have a, a sort of, have a reciprocal you know, exchange of that gift. Is that rude? You you know, there's a real sort of sense of anxiety well, and, and, when somebody doesn't you know, and antici- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and anticipating the post, you know, and how much that's changed. Well, one of the things I've... That list of um, Elizabethan things, that was fascinating because it's a window into 
lots of people within one society with essentially the same resources at hand trying to outdo each other in a competitive way to outgift each other, right? Yeah. You've got to bear in mind they have the same, broadly speaking, um, the same access to artisans and the artistry of creating and making, whether it's gloves, whatever it is. So what happens when you've got this uh, a gift-giving kind of encounter between two societies who have no concept or knowledge of each other at all. Yeah, brilliant. And for me, that's one of the most interesting things. The, the clearest examples of it is mid-18th century exploration. Yeah. So there are some, some wonderful earlier ones with the Spanish and the Portuguese going to South America. And that's all to do with mirrors. That's mm. to do with the history mm. of mirrors. Mirrors was a really, really big thing. Um, then we'll do the history of mirrors for another podcast. But the 18th century one, so Captain Cook, right? This brings us to the important question of Captain James Cook, who is sent out to explore, you know, the, these extraordinary places. And he meets people who have never seen a white man before, let alone one in an enormous sailing warship. Hmm. Now, the English take out with them medals, silver med- large silver medals, almost like a little saucer. Um, with a picture of George III on one side, because everyone wants to know who the king is, and a picture of the ship on the other. So they are very much sort of linking sea power with the king. Now, what's brilliant about this is this happened for decades, with people coming from Spain, from France, from Portugal, from Britain, going out to Hawaii in particular. They have gifts, and they are given gifts in return by these societies that they meet. Now, those gifts then come back to Europe, and they've been scattered all over museums in Europe. So a lot of the cook stuffs in Germany. And there's, an, I mean, I, essentially I wanted to talk to you about this, this a fabulous project which is run out of the Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology at Cambridge. And it's called Artifact of Encounter. And so what they're doing is they're trying to find all of these gifts that have been given by Polynesians, mm. by Hawaiians, by Fijians <clears throat> to European explorers and then have been brought back. And they're trying to understand what they are. And I've got a couple of um, really fabulous images of them. Look at that. That looks like a... Let me just describe this. This, that looks like it's been made out of feathers or fur. I'm I'm absolutely struggling to... Okay, so I'm struggling. You You need to view the images connected with this podcast. It is a figure of a head with an extraordinarily long neck, scary eyes, wild, snarling mouth with teeth. It is orange with what looks like a a bizarre yellow mohican what on earth and, and a and a hooked nose that looks a little like mr punch's nose it looks a little like a sort of bizarre feathery mr punch do you know actually exactly what that looks like ready <laughs> <laughs> the eagle from the Muppets. Yes. So he's got, he's got a hooked beak. He's got a lot of feathers. Uh, that's Sam Eagle from the Muppets, who's blue. Right. Uh, and this fellow's orange. It, it's not the it's not the head of a of a boat or something. Is no, it? it's not. No, it's, um, it's the head of a god. Ah. It's a, it's a Hawaiian, the Hawaiian god of war. Right. Absolutely terrifying looking chap. These are dog teeth. Right. In its mouth and amazing feathers. There's an associated cloak with this which is the same colour, very distinctive orange and yellow. And that is made out of 20,000 bird feathers. 20, mm. not feathers, the, bird, the feathers from 20,000 birds yeah. to actually make that. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, were these gifts or were they, were they 
taken by anthropologists. No, absolute gifts. Absolute gifts. They're recorded as and okay. exchanged for gifts which were given by Cook to the Hawaiians. Ah. Um, this is only two weeks before Cook is killed. Right. So this is a kind of a very sort of brief snapshot of time where they're pleased for him to be there. And it all goes wrong and he gets murdered on the beach. Yeah, just from a very, very specific, a specific moment in time. But these are just a handful of examples of gifts from the deep, deep Pacific mm. that, that are now in European collections. And interestingly, one of the, the places that has the largest collection of other gifts is in the Peabody Essex Museum in Salem in Massachusetts. Right. Any idea why? No, tell me. Whalers. Whalers. History of whaling. Whalers. So sailing big whaling history. And so the, one of the people, apart from professional explorers like mm. Malaspina or Cook, the people who went to these distant parts of the globe more regularly than others were whalers. So they spend months and months and months and months in the deep Pacific. They come across these societies mm. before. So on the one hand, you've got an amazing collection of these sort of artefacts of encounter from official representatives of the crown, so naval officers, whether it's France, Spain, Portugal. And then you've got a kind of a much more sort of relaxed, regular contact which kind of filters through after that and what's brilliant about those is that the gifts they start getting later on so this is cook gets this in uh, 1779 yeah is that by 1780 1790 you're starting to see a european influence in the art which is given uh, to back to the europeans so, so they're, uh, they're producing the gifts for a particular market or for, for, a, particular for a particular market particular but they're, they're learning techniques in jewelry production they are just adapting and slightly altering and changing. So through the study of these objects, you can kind of map cultural contact. Goodness me. So this is about encounters. And what's interesting about the Cambridge project is that what you've got there is a group of anthropologists who are interested in the gift. Because what a lot of what we know about the way in which gifts work comes, as I was saying earlier on, back to the anthropologists who have studied you know, less developed primitive societies because gift giving is much more, it, it's it's much more stripped back mm. there. It's, it's a much simpler form. And then what they've done is then applied that to, or what, what historians have done is applied that seminal research to different periods in history. The gift, for example, connects to the mafia. <laughs> you know, because it's all about, again, it's back to what I was saying about that's tribute as well, isn't it? It's tribute and it's about reciprocal relations. And, you know, you think of our the Godfather films. Oh, the tomato you do, scene. You do, you do a, a, a favour, yeah, yeah. or, the, or the, the Don does a favour for you, gives you that gift, if we can interpret it as that, and then you are obligated to reciprocate. And when you, he calls you when back. When he calls on. So the, the gift, re, you know, fundamentally is part of everyday life. Mm. And what we haven't looked at is the, which I suppose would have been a sort of more unexpected or, or, or a more expected way to go with this is looking at gifts on different kinds of occasions. We've looked at New Year's, but, you know, you think about the kinds of gifts that are connected to the life cycle. We've talked about parties in previous podcasts. You think about birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. Weddings, when also weddings. anniversaries. So that that yeah. was a wonderful kind of, you give each other different things after after so many years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get in touch. Tell me where that came from. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> but also, what you were talking about earlier on was the competitive nature of gift giving in Elizabethan England. The status of your gift, out-gifting people, it's all about dominance. So when somebody comes to dinner with you and turns up with a preposterously good bottle of wine, mm. 
it is about showing that they are superior to you. <laughs> it, it, yes, it's kind and thoughtful, but it's like, my God, I've got access to a really good wine cellar. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, there we go. We've gone from the middle of the Pacific in the 18th century. To Elizabeth I's yes. chamber and court. Um, back to Rome. And we did a bit of Cicero. Rome. That was A little bit of Cicero. And of course, Seneca's De Beneficis on benefits is all about the classical <laughs> model <laughs> for, for gift giving. But that we can, we can leave that for the seminar room rather and than then, the podcast. And then we go from uh, Rome, stay in Italy and end up with the Mafia. Brilliant. Okay, um, thank you all so much for listening. That was the history of the gift and it was certainly unexpected. Don't forget you're the most important member of this podcast, you people who are listening. Get in touch with us. Tell us about your gifts. Tell us about them. Did they annoy you? Were you pleased with them? What's been your favourite gift? And of course, get in touch with ideas for future podcasts. But for now, that's it. Bye. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.